When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The seven chakras, swirling vortices of energy, positioned throughout our body from the base of the spine to the crown of the head. For thousands of years, this ancient wisdom has been passed on from master to disciple. What are the functions of these energy centers? And could these chakras help you unlock your destiny and find your true purpose? Welcome to my seven chakras, and now, your host, Aditya Jai Kumar. What's up, Action Tribe? AJ here, host and founder of My Seven Chakras, my7chakras.com, the show where we provide you ancient wisdom for self-healing, self-realization, and transformation. Now, before we dive into today's episode, let me read out our most recent five-star iTunes rating and review by a user named Lala Jolly in the USA who writes, I absolutely appreciate and look forward to hearing these particular podcasts. The amount of information that's provided along with the awesome interviews are definitely enlightening. Love, love, love. Well, thanks a lot, Lala Jolly. Whenever someone uh, hears their iTunes review, their message read out live, it sort of leads to a jolt of excitement and joy, right? Because you hear your iTunes review being read out. And if you want the same experience, then take a minute and share your uh, thoughts about our show. Go to my7chakras.com forward slash review. That's my7chakras.com forward slash review. And don't forget to hit submit. With that being said, our guest for today is a radical brilliance coach, writer, and public speaker. And he was the original founder of Awakening Coaching. He has trained more than 2,000 people to become awakening coaches over the last 25 years. He's the author of nine books, including the 2005 number one national bestseller, The Translucent Revolution, featured in the O Magazine. And he's spoken at Google and at the United Nations as well. So you're going to really enjoy today's episode. Today, we're going to talk about his amazing and inspiring and really actionable book called Radical Brilliance. Action Tribe, our guest for today is Arjun Arda. So Arjun, thanks a lot for joining us. And are you ready to inspire? Oh, I am so ready. It's bursting. It's 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 overflowing. <laughs> That's amazing. I can't wait to uh, jump in and dive into some of the amazing concepts and stories that you share in your book. Um, but first, what inspired you to write your book, Radical Brilliance? <laughs> it's a trick question. <laughs> what inspired you? You know, because uh, the word inspire actually it comes it, it comes from the root in spiritus mm -hmm. spiritus or inspirare which means which is tied to the word spirit it's also tied to spirare inspiration it means breath you know breath mm -hmm. so if you ask me what inspired you it's it's only one thing that ever inspires anything which is spirit 
right? Or breath, yeah. right? So <laughs> it's really not many sources of inspiration. Inspiration comes from spirit. And what does spirit mean? Spirit means, I mean, the word spirit, it's obviously the root of the word spiritual, you know? Spirit, it means, in my experience, it's a word that's synonymous with consciousness itself, with presence, with mm. that which is not frenetic thought and reactive emotion you know mm. either you're in like the, the buzzing of thought and emotion or mm. there's a relaxing into the recognition of spirit which is yeah. simply love which is simply presence and that's the only thing that could really ever cause inspiration wow so so much has been shared and we're just getting started with today's episode and you uh, sort of alluded to the fact that what really got you started on writing this book was the experience of uh, consciousness and we're going to talk obviously about the uh, process of awakening or the experience of awakening and how our listeners can experience more of that so that they can become more creative or you know uh, express their ideas in a more meaningful and impactful manner but before we get there talk to us about how it all began for you talk to us about your childhood when you were feeling a sense of emptiness right and and then you sort of meant met a Hari Krishna monk so take us back <laughs> to that time and tell us that story <laughs> okay um yeah well um you know when I was born mm. um I was actually still quite young and uh so I didn't have a lot of tools to to deal with the world I yeah. was quite inexperienced at the time of my birth <laughs> <laughs> and so um i was born into a an exceptionally um neurotic unhappy family in london mm. um which sounds like a terrible thing when you say it but you know once you get a bigger perspective it's not such a terrible thing it's just the hands the the the, the hand of cards you've been dealt mm. so there was a lot of a neurosis in my family suicide actually there were several suicides in my family really um it was a it was a it, it was a family where there was a lot of um people were very much lost in their minds and the minds were, were were going a bit berserk so by the time i got to about 14 you know 14 when you reach puberty physically it's also a time where emotionally and mentally you start to actually unvelcro from your family and you realize up until that point in childhood there's just me and then my family and then out of focus is the world and so your family is all you have. But once you get to be a teenager, you start to get a little distance on your family of origin and you are start to be able to look at them objectively mm -hmm. and realize, well, in my case, I could realize, oh, my God, these people are crazy. <laughs> I didn't know that until I was a teenager. So yeah. these people are not well, you know, I didn't I didn't know that. Oops, I'm sorry. The microphone was not in the right place. Were you hearing me all right? We were actually hearing you, but now it's even better. Oh, yeah. I, I just I forgot that I moved it aside to type right. something. OK, anyway, it's back now. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So I went to a boarding school in England where we wore a very, um, very formal uniform, you know, a wing collar, which looks a little like this. You know, it's like this kind of collar with a tie yep. and um, the whole uniform. So I was walking one day beside the Canterbury Cathedral. I was at school in Canterbury in England. I was walking by Canterbury Cathedral and I saw a what i thought was an indian holy man you know mm. he he had a shaved head and a little 
little uh, I don't know what do you call that thing behind a little thing behind anyway shady in India yeah, it's called okay. and he's dressed in orange robes and he's chanting you know I thought he was chanting happy Christmas happy Christmas I thought it was a Christmas okay. chant but he was actually chanting Hare Krishna you know Hare Krishna Hare Krishna Hare Krishna Hare Krishna so I waited because um, I was curious I was 14 and I waited mm. till he'd finished chanting and then I went very very shy i went over and i said excuse me sir excuse me do you speak any english because i thought mm. he was from india yeah. he said yeah mate come on sit down i'll tell you all about harry krishna and enlightenment no don't worry mate he was from the east of london you see yeah. mm -hmm. harry krishna so i'd never heard anything like this before he talked about enlightenment and reincarnation and krishna mm. and all these things and i was overjoyed i thought wow this makes so much more sense than my yeah. protestant conservative uh, yep. schooling and upbringing so i went to the telephone box that night red telephone box in london you know yep. and i and i telephoned my mother who was in london and i said great news i found my calling in life i'm going to become a harry krishna you see <laughs> <laughs> so um so um my mother as i told you there was a habit of you know, neurosis and suicide mm -hmm. so my mother responded in the way that my mother did to any unexpected news she threatened to commit suicide <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if you become a harry krishna i'm going to kill myself so i yeah. couldn't become a harry krishna that was off the cards because i couldn't yeah. cause my mother to kill herself so mm -hmm. um instead i actually learned meditation and that was really the beginning of exploring something beyond the mind that's huh. that's a wonderful story and i mean you shared a lot uh, when you said 14 that you experienced sorry hang on a second uh, i because of the earphone no sorry i can't hear you anymore just a minute can you hear me now yeah but i was hearing this thing on the oh I mean the echo okay yeah yeah i'm sorry i it was coming the sound was coming can you hear yeah we're good let's continue i, I, can, I can hear yeah. yeah so i mean you've shared a lot of uh, great stuff right now you mentioned 14 and when you when i heard 14 you sort of used the phrase you unwelcrowed yourself from your family and sort of you, you you took action in a way and went away from you know your 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 the last 14 years and what came to my mind was when you are 14 then you're sort of entering your third chakra which is your solar plexus okay. chakra, <laughs> which is all about the self and, uh, you know, finding out more about yourself and taking action, becoming more assertive. So that's, that, that really resonates. But not only that, the, you heard, uh, Christmas, but he was saying Hare Krishna, which is mm. quite similar, right? I mean, the other, mm. a couple of weeks back, I was thinking about what if, uh, there were certain, um, Hindus who celebrate Krishna mass instead of Chris, Christmas, you know? And so it's like, so, so similar, right? Thanks a lot for sharing. Hmm. Um, now, so you experienced that you couldn't, you know, become a Hare Krishna back then because you did not want to hurt your mom and you were young back then, but obviously it sort of had, that experience was lodged deep in your mind. What happened after that? How did your spiritual journey evolve? What happened, you know, what was the next big juncture? <laughs> well, um, there was about 20 years, you know, from 14 to 34. Okay. Um, really of exploring every kind of, um, every kind of avenue, you know, I mean, I, yeah. I spent about 10 years involved with, um, with the transcendental meditation organization, including I lived for a while in 
Switzerland okay. with uh, with the founder of Transcendental Meditation, Marishi Mahesh Yogi. That's where I met John Gray. Mm -hmm. I wrote a book with John Gray, actually, which is um, which is here. Yeah, uh, he's become one of my closest friends. So we wrote this book about masculinity. But mm -hmm. I met him originally in uh, in Switzerland uh, at the headquarters right. of Transcendental Meditation because he was Marishi Mahesh Yogi's personal secretary. Okay. Uh, uh, but then, you know, the problem was that I got to be, um, I think, what, in my, I forget what age I was now, maybe tw early 20s. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and so I was practicing all this, um, you know, they used to call it the city program, which involved a kind of a, apparently a, a sort of form of levitation. I don't know if it was really levitation, but it was more like a sort of hopping. But yep. anyway, I, I, I did a lot of this transcendental meditation stuff, but then I realized at some point that I was going, you know, I had this access to meditative states and so on, but I was yep. also terrified of women, mm. uh, like desirous, but also terrified. Like I really liked women, but I was yep. very afraid of women. Um, so I realized this was a kind of imbalanced thing. So, um, this actually led me to, to, to jump ship. And instead I, um, became involved with, uh, with Bhagwan Rajneesh, who had his yeah. headquarters in Pune. Oh, sure. Which, yeah, which really took care of the, uh, that side of life because <laughs> that was a very <laughs> sexually oriented thing back then. Yeah. So I went into that for about 10 years or so. Yeah. Um, so it was 10 years with TM and then 10 years, uh, catching up on, um, catching up on the sexuality and, and really going, but it was a much more emotionally embodied kind of thing. Mm -hmm. However, there was this word floating all the time, both in the, um, both in the TM world and also in the Rajneesh world, there was this, always this word was floating about enlightenment. Mm. which was painted as some kind of place of arrival, you know, mm. where the seeking would be complete and uh, you would be somehow, I don't know, one with everything. It was always a bit vague what it meant. What is this right. thing, enlightenment? It was, it was like a carrot on the end of a stick that mm -hmm. kept you moving forwards, yeah. but it was never completely clearly defined really what it was, you know? I mean, it was alluded to. Right. So I got, I actually got quite, um, you could say, what's the word? Not exactly frustrated, but I, it, it was like, I, I, it was when I was 34 and I came to this feeling, this sense of if there's something, if there is some resolution to this seeking, let's, let's have it. You know, it's been right. 20 years now, you mm -hmm. know, if there's some, if there's something at the end, if there's gold at the end of the rainbow, let's just get it over with, you know, how mm -hmm. much longer are yeah. we going to stay in seeking mode? Yeah. So with that sentiment in mind, I heard, initially just heard about a man who lived in Lucknow. Okay. Lucknow is in UP, Uttar Pradesh, yeah. uh, which is near to Delhi, not far from Delhi. Uh, and I heard about this man. His name was H.W.L. Punja. Yeah. Okay. And uh, I, so I heard that people were going to see him and something was really breaking. It wasn't just another path of meditation. It was some dramatic shift. Right. So I went there to Lucknow. Yeah. And um, when I arrived there, I stayed, I, I actually went there without really knowing any details. So I went to stay in the Clark's Avad Hotel. 
Okay. It's a nice hotel, but I didn't know anything about the guy, you know. So I looked in the phone book to find uh, Punja, and I found Punja. So I made a phone call. I said, "Are you Punja?" He said, "Yes, I'm Punja." I said, "Well, I want to come and see you." So the guy just said, "Okay, I pick you up. I'll pick you up nine o'clock tomorrow." Okay. So I went downstairs the next morning, <laughs> and there was a, a little bit plump guy. Yeah. About forty-five, fifty. And he mm -hmm. had a very small scooter, you know, this, the smallest size of scooter. He told me to get on the back. Yeah. So I get on the back of the scooter and I'm holding onto this guy and we're weaving. You know how it is, Indian traffic. We're weaving, the traffic. Yeah, we're weaving between yeah. the traffic. It's like every, every 30 seconds, it looks like I'm going to die. You know, we're, yeah. we're, we're weaving and we're going directly towards a truck, like straight for a head-on collision. Then we just weave at the last minute. So yeah. we go all through the traffic mm. in terrible smog, you know. Yeah. Um, and, but he takes me to this, to the outside of town, to this little, very modest house, very, very modest house, a little, just like a little concrete box, yeah. you know, and he, and I, he, he guides me inside and he, this was actually the son that I had been on the oh, scooter okay. with. The right. man himself was in this house mm. and he was about in the late seventies sitting on a wooden bench, mm. right? Like they call it a tucket, you know, sitting on a wooden bench, just mm. a very simple wooden bench. Yeah. And there was about eight people sitting on the floor on cushions. Okay. Is this too much detail or is it okay? No, it's not too much detail. Yeah. It's good. It's great. Yeah. So <laughs> I walked in the door and he had this, he just had this stare. Like, he, so mm. I walked in the door and he looked at me and I felt like a mouse meeting a lion. You know, mm. I realized there is no way I'm going to survive this. <laughs> I have met my end, you know? Yeah. So he looked at me. That was it. I sat down. I took my seat. I couldn't really understand very much of what he was saying. It was very, very, you know, as he was saying, emptiness is fullness and consciousness and all these things. But then in the tea, there was a tea break in the middle. They had a tea break and he went back, he, not to drink tea, but to chew bun. You know, they had this, this was like um, uh, some tobacco with some betel leaf put into oh, okay. a leaf. And you spit red liquid, you know? Yeah, so yeah. he's chewing this pun. And he said to me, he said, um, okay, what do you want? He said, what do you want? Mm. What do you want? Mm. And I said to him, I feel like I've been seeking mm. as long as I can remember. Okay. I feel like I've been seeking as long as I can remember. I said, what is in the way? of finding and he looked at me he frowned he looked at me like it was the most stupid question anyone had ever asked him he looked at me he said what is in the way of finding seeking of course mm. and it was it was he said it with such conviction i could feel big right. icebergs breaking apart in my consciousness because yeah. for 20 years that had defined my life was seeking and now he was telling me that the thing that was in the way was mm. the seeking, you see. So I just felt very disoriented. We went back into the room. And again, we had this meeting. And then he called to me. He said, yo, yo, what do you want? What mm. do you want? You see, what do you want? Yeah. So I gave him the answer that a good spiritual seeker gives, right? I gave him the answer that was I was trained, really. I said, yeah. I want to be free. You know, I want, yeah. I, you know, freedom. I want free, enlightenment, right? Yeah. He said, okay, 
I think I said, I want to be, I want enlightenment. He said, what is enlightenment? I said, I want to be free. He said, okay, no problem. You want to be free? He said, give me that, give me that which is bound and I will make it free. Okay. He said, you want to be free? Show me that which is not free. I will make it free. I thought that's a great deal. All right. No, 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 no money required. No fee. Yeah. I simply have to give him my ego. He will make it free. Fantastic. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I went back to my hotel room and then what happened after that was like six days, mm. really like going completely mad. Right. Mm. Really. It was like six days. And what I mean by mad is usually the mind is going in a sequential way, right? Because yeah, it's yeah. focused on wanting to achieve something. But for six days, it was just random thoughts. It was like the the central pin which holds it together was gone. And there were yeah. just random thoughts like spaghetti, marshmallows, squirrels, uh, physics. It was just like going like this. Jun, jun, yeah. jun, jun. It was just throwing thoughts, right, for mm. six days. yeah. yeah. I don't know why, but it's just it's just the mind just went berserk, you know, mm. and and every day I would go back to see him. Mm. So finally, on the sixth night, I wrote a little letter. I got a little piece of paper, you know, mm. I took a paper because yeah. you could write him a letter. So I took this paper and I wrote a little letter. And I said to I said in the letter uh, something like. Um, something like uh about the ego or something you know like right yeah and then i went to bed now not really sleeping more like half asleep but in the morning waking up six o'clock in the morning coming back to being awake there was a memory oh there was something important there was something important Mm. from last night like it's like if you go to bed at night doing your taxes in the morning yep. you think of your taxes so i had gone to bed at night thinking about the ego yeah and how i must get free of the ego whatever that is you know and in the morning there was this thought so i sat up in the bed and just really innocently like a little sleepy there was just this reaching out you know a mm. reaching out in consciousness to find the ego right find mm. the ego to give him the ego so yeah reaching out reaching out reaching out reaching out reaching out reaching out and there was just space you know mm. there was only space but infinite space mm. so looking into myself there was just space that went on forever but in that moment it was very clear that that was all there had ever been you know this was not a new thing that mm. actually the space was all that was ever real. And the idea of there being an entity called the ego was made up. It was a fiction. It was not, it wasn't, it wasn't like, oh, yesterday, I've, I, yesterday I had the ego and now there's space. It was like, this is actually the, this is all there has ever been experiencing this moment. There was this story created of a separate entity, which was mm. completely fictitious. But it was very clear that this was not a new thing. It was simply waking up to what was true. And the body, the best way to say it is the body mm. went into involuntary laughter for about 25 minutes, just could not stop. The body was laughing with relief that, mm. this, that this false 
story was finished. This false story of being separate, it was finished. Mm. And, um, and really, that was uh, 1991. So how long is that? It's 27 years or something? 28 years, you know? Yeah. Since that time, the space is there, you know? I mean, mm. also other things are there. I mean, thoughts are there and feelings are there. And sometimes there are angry thoughts. I mean, there's the normal human experience. But mm. the space, once the space is recognized, the space can't be unrecognized. And it's yep. just the same way if you go outside and look up into the sky, if you look mm -hmm. upwards into the sky, what you actually see is limitless space, right? Yeah. yeah. If you look up, it's blue, but actually as far as you go into that blueness, there is no wall at the end. Mm. It's infinite, right? Yes. It means as far as you go, there's infinitely more. Well, that's a little clue as to our true nature. That is the nature of consciousness also. It's not separate, actually. Yeah. Spaciousness in the physical world and spaciousness consciousness is same spaciousness. Yeah. So, but you see, when you rest, if you rest as the spaciousness, clearly there is no enlightenment or unenlightenment. There's just spacious. How can space be enlightened or unenlightened? It's just space, you see? Yeah. There is also no self-improvement needed in space. There is no healing needed in space. There is nothing to forgive. Now, but there is also this manifest person, you see, mm -hmm. which is an appearance. Now, in the same way, you see, if I, if I was to take a, a light, mm. I don't think I have one here, but if I took a light, in the, if we made a light in the dark and I made the light go like this. Yes. And I asked you, what do you see? And I made the light go round and round. You right. would say a circle. I see a circle. Yeah. But there is no circle, actually. It's just the rapid movement of the light. You see, mm -hmm. if I stop, the circle is gone. Yes. In the same way, when thoughts are acting very fast, which is what they do, the thoughts are vibrating very quickly and the emotions are changing very quickly and it's causing vibration in the body, these vibrations mm -hmm. create a hologram of a person called me. But yes. as soon as that vibrating calms down, there is no me anymore, you see. So the appearance of an individual person like Aditya or Arjuna is only the function of vibration. When the vibration slows down, all that remains is consciousness. In the same way, you could go to the, to the, you could go to the ocean and you see waves, waves, yeah. waves. But waves don't exist independently of the ocean. The waves mm -hmm. are a function of the ocean. They're a movement in the ocean. When the wind dies down, the waves don't go somewhere else. They just relax back into being the ocean. In the same way, Aditya is a wave, you see. Arjuna is a wave. John is a wave. Mary is a wave. What is abidingly real is ocean of consciousness, which is actually who we are, you know. So in this moment, the really scientific truth is that you are talking to yourself. It's consciousness talking to consciousness, appearing as two waves. But yeah. That's only a temporary appearance, you see. Anyway, so that's my story. <laughs> that's wonderful. <laughs> wow. So, so lovely story. I really enjoyed listening. Uh, the fact that you interacted and met with this, uh, your your, your mentor in many ways, Mr. Punja, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and the fact that you had this for six days, you were 
thinking 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 but then you had this realization of this uh, uh this experience of washed space which is tr- is the truth and then you had this joy uh, unexplained joy that you experienced and that was back in 91 right now later on i believe you ex- had an accident right you experienced an accident which had the eff- uh, effect of uh, car accident uh, yeah awakening again what exactly happened at that point where were you and how did that affect <clears throat> you because i also had an accident and that's why i'm personally interested as well <laughs> ah. well first of all it, i i think to say awakening again is not quite right it was a very different okay. thing yeah okay <clears throat> that thing that happened in 91 that that was the end of that that was the end of seeking you see okay. right okay however and by the way i want to just to say one thing before we go on if i may because this may sound a little bit you know when i describe this story and this may sound a little bit like uh, some something unattainable or different or something but mm-hmm. it's not like that you see um i just last week today is saturday yeah. so last sunday like 6 days ago i returned from a conference in pennsylvania and it was a conference of entrepreneurs it's called maverick 1000 you can find this on uh, the web maverick it's a conference it's a conference of entrepreneurs these are people yeah. being entrepreneurs wanting to make a positive difference through business and there was one man there who was just an he's a businessman you know a businessman so we sat down together in the in the on the lawn it was this was in a kind of camp summer camp by a lake we sat down together on the lawn and in 20 minutes of being together he had exactly the same that i'm describing to you he had in every way nothing different nothing missing nothing this man was not in india he was not you know he hadn't done 20 years of seeking he yeah. was just ready so i simply i simply needed to guide him mm into paying attention to his own nature and then there was the same realization and i spoke to him more recently and this has also been stable this happened also a second time at the same conference so since this happened in um in 91 yep. it's been possible to infect other people with this kind of realization thousands of times thousands of times you know uh, and sometimes it sticks Yep. because somehow the momentum of achievement has died down and sometimes it doesn't stick because the momentum of seeking kind of recreates itself again but if you're really tired of seeking if you've really had enough of seeking it can be finished today you know this is this this thing i'm describing is not the fruit of doing a lot of yoga or meditation it's the fruit of getting fed up with doing yoga and meditation i mean and there's nothing wrong with physical yoga but when you get tired of this idea of some future state and you just reach this point of i've had enough i'm ready now for it to be over mm. it can be over in a second you see because what you are seeking for is who you are right what you are seeking for and i'm not speaking like euphemistically i mean literally literally scientifically factually what you are seeking for is the one who is seeking so that can collapse back into itself at any time that the seeking exhausts itself so i want to just to mention that because this is not something that only special people can have or something it's something absolutely available to each and every person as yep. soon as there is a readiness 
to let go, you know? Absolutely. Hmm. And if you can just elaborate on the car accident that you... Oh, sorry. Yeah, I forgot. I forgot you asked me a question about the car accident. Yeah, right. So, um, yeah. So, basically, I have to just fill you in a little bit. So, sure. uh, after this happened, my my teacher, Punjaji, he at a certain point, he asked me to go back to America and to be a teacher, right? Okay. Uh, and it's called giving satsang. You know, you know this word satsang. So he wanted me to go and act in that capacity, which I did for a few years. Okay. But, um, you know, people, it's different strokes for different folks. I don't really like the, you know, the kind of guru setup very much. Yeah. It feels very hierarchical and mm -hmm. it creates this, it, it perpetuates this myth of in, of a kind of enlightened, unenlightened schism. Right. And I don't believe that's true. You know, it's, it's, um, it's not accurate. We are actually all the same. You know, we are really all the same consciousness, like bees in a beehive, you know, mm -hmm. except of course there is the queen bee, but you know, the queen bee is not giving orders or she's not a more enlightened. She's just the bee who makes the eggs, who right. lays the eggs. That's all, you know? So anyway, um, after a few years of this satsang thing, I, am I talking too much? Are we okay? No, we're okay. Yeah, yeah. So I, I went back to Punjaji and I said, you know, I'm, I don't really like this um, role of being a teacher. And he said, he said, he actually said to me, okay, he said, do whatever you want, mm -hmm. but um, you have a destiny and ultimately the destiny will win. That's what he said. <laughs> so, um, okay. So anyway, instead, of, so what happened then after a few years, I shifted from being a teacher at the front of the room to training other people to facilitate this in each other. So I trained people mm -hmm. how to facilitate this kind of awakening. And this was called awakening coaching. Right. And this started in 95, I think, and it continued until 2005. So this is actually 20 years, yeah, that I was doing this. It was 25 years altogether, yeah. Right. Train, training people to be facilitators of awakening, right? Um. And so this built up to quite a big thing. I mean, I trained 2,000 coaches. You know, we had other teachers. There was a staff of 23 people running this school. Yeah. Um, and now we fast forward to 2015. Now, the thing is, this was all good. We were training mm. people, but it became this big, this big machine. Mm. And those kind of big machines, when you have a, an organization, it can really eat your soul, you know, because it takes a lot of energy, right? So, so um, in 2015, I was in Washington State driving a rented car, mm -hmm. and there was a car accident, which was, we don't need to go into the details, but basically I had a car accident where the car was completely destroyed, mm -hmm. and I actually had no broken bones, right. except, I had no broken bones, except I went into a kind of frozen state you know, like a post-traumatic state. So yeah. then I went home. My wife was away traveling and teaching. So I was for actually about three months just restricted to the bed mm -hmm. to um, uh, just to kind of recover, you know. So um, in this state, uh, I was really able to kind of contemplate, you know, especially at this time on the planet, you know, as, as you talk, as you and I talk today, 
the Amazon rainforest is burning. This is a big deal, you know? This is the lungs of the planet is burning. Mm -hmm. But we, that's just one of so many things, you know, so many things that are out of balance now. Um, we're, living in, we're living in a very, very extraordinary time, you know, mm -hmm. of um, where it's not guaranteed thing that our children and grandchildren have a safe future. We're living in a very, very unstable time where by many parameters, sustainability is not guaranteed. Mm. So it's a time to really wake up and to live deliberately and consciously if you, if you want to make, a, if you want a good life. Otherwise, we're just going to destroy ourselves, you know? Yeah. So while I was laying in the bed, this question was coming after this accident, like, you know, what is actually, what is a good way to live life? Right faced with this urgency you know mm -hmm. and so then out of this i started to actually contemplate you know who are the people i know mm -hmm. who are the people i know who live extraordinarily fulfilled lives who are the people i know who who are really living completely purposefully and I realized it was actually not so much people who were devoted to spirituality, right. although that's a component. Yeah. It was actually people who were devoted to a sense of contribution and service. Okay? Mm -hmm. The people I know who are really giving everything, giving everything from the moment they wake up in the morning to the moment they go to bed at night, just pumping contribution, those yeah. are the people who find real meaning and depth in their lives. And so slowly while I was recovering from this accident, it was like a jigsaw puzzle, you know, yeah. like we you know when you do, have you ever done jigsaw puzzle? I have. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, when you do jigsaw puzzle, if you don't look at the box, mm -hmm. you get all the red pieces and you put them together and then you get the yellow pieces and, you, and slowly the puzzle emerges. Right. So slowly a pattern started to emerge mm -hmm. of the components that are needed for a truly fulfilled life, a life of contribution. And that became this model you can see on the wall behind me, which is the yep. brilliant cycle, which is the, these are the components you could say of a, of a really truly deeply fulfilled life, a life of contribution and service. And yep. that's, that's how this book, uh, Radical Brilliance, uh, came to be. It's, it's, it's a book not about spiritual awakening, although yes. spiritual awakening is a component. It's a book about how you can be an agent of evolution, how you can become an embodiment of, um, of what it's needed for humanity to evolve into its next stage. Perfect. And we are going to definitely dive into the cycle as well. And thanks wow. a lot for sharing yeah. your, your yeah. story mm -hmm. uh, of how you experienced a car crash. I had also in 2008 had a bad road uh, crash. Mm. Uh, didn't have any uh, bone, uh, you know, broken bones, but I was in the hospital out of consciousness for, I believe it was a day or so. And when mm -hmm. I woke up, especially wow. because I had stitches on my face, sort of had a lot of questions that were in my mind about my uh, existence and what was my purpose and why am I here and what now? Uh, and uh, yeah, I, I just feel that, you know, such an experience gives you a trauma. At that point, I did not have any tools or methods for which to release that trauma or those emotions. And I believe that for the next couple of years, those were sort of held within me and that led to a lot of emotional ups and downs and challenges uh but then i was able to release it later on 
through healing work and chakras and stuff like that. Uh, but thanks a lot for sharing that with us because that, like you mentioned, led you to asking those important questions and then seeking uh, and finding out who truly are these individuals who are leading a life of fulfillment, which is not just spirituality, but that of service. And so you, you've you showed us this wonderful cycle that you've uh, sort of come out with. Uh, and we can if you if if you will go quadrant by quadrant talking about it but what is the cycle if you could talk first about that sure so uh, give me a little bit of a time check how long would you like me to to spend to explain this because it's quite it's quite in depth you know i can do it very short or a little sure. longer yeah. uh we're at we're at 40 minutes uh we've got uh up to 70 minutes as well 75 minutes so we've got time. oh okay good good, good. <laughs> all right great now i'm going to have to disengage from this um earpiece so that i sure. can move over here okay sure. and i may be, i have to move a little bit further away from the microphone hopefully you can hear me cool. so this cycle really shows the the movement which is really a movement it's not it's not a series of separate things they move into each other it's the movement which creates brilliance right mm. so we could think of it something like can you hear me still all right i can hear you yes yes so we could think of this something like a clock, you know, 12, 3, 6, and 9. So okay. 12 o'clock is the point in the clock of awakening. Mm. That's the point where at least we have tastes of something beyond the mind. Now, that could happen through a spiritual practice, through meditation. It could equally happen through great sex. It could happen through extreme sports. You know, when someone skis off the edge of a cliff and whoa, yeah. they're in free fall, that's yeah. also a moment of waking. It can also happen through entheogenic substances, you know, so there's been an increased popularity of microdosing LSD or, right. or psilocybin mushrooms or whatever. These are also ways to have expansive consciousness. So there's lots and lots of gateways into mm -hmm. experiencing consciousness outside of thinking. So this is... We need at least a taste of this in the cycle. Yeah. Now, when we have a taste of awakening, it sets in motion the next movement, this orange arrow. Mm -hmm. Because when you have a taste of awakening, you can bring a kind of um, you can bring a kind of what's the word now? Um, distortion to it. Mm -hmm. One distortion would be. Uh, pushing away thought okay. and this is more of a sort of you could say a spiritual disposition like no thoughts no thoughts just consciousness no thoughts you know so this is there are this would be like for example a renunciatory a, a teaching based in renunciation push away the mind no thoughts no no desires just so that's if you do that you will stop the movement because right. now you're saying i want to stay here i don't want to move the sure. other way that you can distort it is too much too much manifesting that would be like this movie the secret you know yeah, yeah, it's like yeah. what can i make what can i make so that's too much impatience you see sure. and then you also miss this but if you can just hang out as the spaciousness without holding back and without pushing forward right mm. if you just hang out as the spaciousness something starts to happen on its own and it's just a natural spontaneous shimmering so you've probably heard of Kashmiri Shaivism because you're from India. Yeah. It's a teaching that developed in Kashmir. And in Kashmiri Shaivism, the, the, the text of Kashmiri Shaivism is the Vigyan Bhairav Tantra, okay. where 
which is a mythical story of, of um, Shiva teaching these methods to his consort Parvati. Yeah. So in Kashmiri Shaivism, they have an understanding of something they call Spanda. Right. And Spanda is the natural shimmering which is inherent to consciousness. Okay. So that means consciousness is not just flat, just mm. like the ocean, it's got a little shimmering on it, right? That little shimmering is what happens right here on the cycle. Right. Now, people are listening to this also on audio, right? It's not only video, correct? Yeah, yeah. you could explain it for the audio yeah. listeners. Yes, also. Exactly. So if you think of it like a clock, this would be like five minutes past 12, right? Okay. There's a little shimmering. And that little shimmering, it's just, it's like the sound of a violin across mm. the valley. You can hardly hear it. It's very oh, faint. Okay. Yeah. Now, if you really stay with that, the key is attention here, not intention, but attention. If you just stay with it, it's like the very, very faintest hint. It will naturally increase in intensity. It will naturally build in intensity. It will build, it will build, it will build. And so by the time you get to three o'clock, it has become music or it has become poetry or it has become a new app for the phone or it's become a new social innovation or it's become a new understanding. Everything new that comes into the world has mm. to come through this, right? Okay. This means it's, it, it becomes something that has never been heard before. It becomes the iPad or it becomes the laptop computer or it becomes the general theory of relativity. Everything new that comes into the world that has never been there before has to start as the faintest impulse in consciousness and build. So now we get to three o'clock on this mm -hmm. cycle, but we're right. no longer in the world of spirituality. We're in the world of creative flow. This is mm -hmm. where artists live. This is where innovators live. This is everything is new, shimmering. It's a mm -hmm. different state of brain functioning. Up at the top at right. 12 o'clock, the brain was dominated primarily by serotonin. Yes. But as we move down to three o'clock, there is more of a preponderance of dopamine. Dopamine yep. is about novelty, about innovation. All yep. right. Yep. You can artificially stimulate dopamine production through cocaine. When mm -hmm. you, when you, now, when somebody snorts cocaine, it's like, oh my God, I want this, I want this. The, the mind's going very fast, wanting new, 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 new. You see? Right. Equally, yep. gambling, high stakes gambling creates dopamine because it's this rush of novelty. You see? Yeah. All right. Um, equally actually dating like if when you go dating and yeah. you're meeting new people also bring, brings dopamine you see okay yeah. right so now when you're at three o'clock and you have this rush of newness okay mm. rush of newness now now there is one particular kind of in of 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 newness of creative impulse which is called which is called intention. Okay. One particular flavor of creative thought is intention. Intention is a creative, is a creative impulse that is now velcroed to the future. It's a creative impulse with a future intention attached to it. So it. let's imagine you're at three o'clock and you're making music together, your musicians making music, and then somebody says, Hey, let's make a CD. Yeah. The CD will come in the future. That is an, an intention, right? And that begins the next cycle, which goes from three to six. This is the movement from intention to accomplishment. It's the movement from intending something to happen to having it realized. And it sets in motion a whole new chemistry in the brain and in the body, right? Mm -hmm. Because yep. now, we're, now we're learning to operate within boundaries. If you want to actually make something real in the world, yep. you have to have budget, 
you need structure, you need agreements, contracts. Everything mm. has to be structured within boundaries. Okay? Mm. All right. Yeah. So this is the movement from three into six. Okay? Yeah. So, uh, so, so now we come into six o'clock. And as you get closer into six o'clock, there's a whole journey how you get from three to six, which is either more masculine, dominated more, more by testosterone. Right. I can do this. I don't need any help. I'm going to push through boundaries. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to stay up all night and get it done. Or it's mm -hmm. more dominated by oxytocin and estrogen. We can mm -hmm. do this together. We're a team. I've got your back. You've got mine. I, we trust each other, you see. But either way, when you get close to six o'clock at the bottom, you've got deadlines to meet. You start yep. to push, right? Mm -hmm. And this is where we see the predominance of a brain chemical, a neurotransmitter called noradrenaline. Now, noradrenaline is not the same as adrenaline created by the adrenal gland. Noradrenaline, it sounds similar. Mm -hmm. It's a brain chemical which causes a predominance of the sympathetic nervous system mm -hmm. and, and a suppression of the parasympathetic nervous system, which means you can push through. Mm -hmm. If you need to go to the bathroom, you don't notice it anymore. Okay. If you're tired, you don't notice your eyes are itching. If you're yeah. hungry, you don't notice it. All those things get pushed aside. But also if you have emotional needs, if you feel lonely or sad, you don't notice that anymore. Mm -hmm. You see? Right. So that's how you push through and get something done. When you get to six o'clock, however, now you've finished. Now, you know, have you, do you have a wife and any children? I don't have a wife, but I've got a girlfriend. All right. But you've not had no, no baby. No children. Okay. No, no. So when a woman has a baby, very strange things happen sometimes, which they call postpartum depression. Yes. And you would never expect this. This is a very unusual, strange thing. You would never expect that there would be something called postpartum depression. Postpartum depression is now you've got the beautiful baby, the mother's holding the baby, everything is perfect, as perfect as it could be, but she feels totally depressed, right? Mm. And this is similar thing. You can have postpartum depression, not only with childbirth, you can have postpartum depression with a creative project as well. Everything's gone well, you launch the project, everything's perfect, everything's good, and you feel terrible. Why? Okay, why? This is because what's called parasympathetic flooding, okay? Mm. So you've been building up sympathetic, sympathetic, sympathetic. When you stop and you don't have to push anymore, everything you've been pushing aside floods back in, which means okay. suddenly you feel really tired. You've really got a headache. You want to you want to go to sleep. But even if you sleep, you can't get you can't you don't feel rested when you wake up in the mm -hmm. morning. You see, if you push too hard for too long, you have a nervous breakdown, parasympathetic flooding. But it also means there's another thing. This is kind of complex, but. There was a guy in the 20th century called Gregory Bateson. He wrote a book called Towards an Ecology of Mind, right? Mm -hmm. And he recognized this thing called double bind. Now, double okay. bind is inherent to any choice that you make. Okay. Whenever you make a choice, I want to do this but not that, you're creating double bind. So when you're at six o'clock getting things done, you're saying, okay, I'm going to choose to satisfy the shareholders, but then maybe not the workers. Or I'm going to choose to stay at the office 16 hours a day, but then I'm not choosing my family, you see? Mm -hmm. So whatever you choose, there's something you didn't choose. And mm -hmm. this will create regret. Not, not, if you, not just because you fail. Even if you're successful, you will have regret. Mm -hmm. Re feelings of shame, remorse, regret, 
failure. Now, sometimes people think these are like bad feelings you should not have. They're very healthy feelings because of double bind, if you have them temporarily. And these feelings, shame, remorse, regret, failure, disappointment, this feeling of like, ah, oh, I can't believe I did that. I'm such an idiot. Ah, oh, you know, why did I do that? Yeah. It's very healthy to have those feelings temporarily. You don't want to have them all the time, mm -hmm. but temporarily, that's how you learn. Mm -hmm. Not just thinking it, oh, yes, I made a mistake. Okay, I'm going to do better. But really feeling it in your body, like this collapsing feeling in your chest, like, oh, I can't believe I did that. Mm -hmm. Okay. That is what initiates the next movement from six to nine, which is a movement of learning. It starts wow. with these feelings of shame, remorse, regret. I can't believe I did that. It moves through learning and integration, and it brings you to nine o'clock, which is a state of humility. Now, once again, there is a shift in brain chemistry, okay? Because now we're shifting from neuroadrenaline and a sympathetic nervous system dominance at six. Now we're moving through and we're building the brain chemical GABA. GABA now, okay. GABA, when you have a predominance of GABA in the brain, that's where you feel everything's okay. I've done my best. I can mm. forgive myself. I can forgive myself and I can forgive everybody else. And I, I, there are some things I know that I do well. There are a lot of things that I don't know, but I forgive myself. Mm. GABA is a predominance of, ah, I forgive myself. You see? Right. And this then initiates another movement because when you're in complete humility, right, that means I'm not such a big deal after all. There are a few mm -hmm. things I know, a lot of things I don't know. It turns the attention to something bigger than yourself, something beyond me, something beyond the mind, you see? Mm -hmm. And this begins a new movement, 9 to 12, which is the movement from humility back into awakening again. Because now you become interested in something beyond the mind. If that interest turns inward, it becomes meditation, Mm -hmm. And you have some kind of awakening, like I described. If it turns outward, you notice the beauty of the world. You realize human beings didn't create all this beauty. Something else did. Mm -hmm. And then it becomes devotion and devotion to God. And you hand yourself over to God, you see. But either way, it brings you back to 12 o'clock, back into awakening. And it begins the cycle again. Now, a healthy, brilliant life is going to go through this cycle every day, every, day. every week, every year. There you have it. Wonderful, wonderful. I love this explanation. And as you were explaining it, uh, obviously what I was seeing was the chakra. Because it's like okay. a cycle, right? It's, it's, going, it's going in a cycle. Uh, but it's beautiful that you're able to uh, translate not just what's happening to a person in terms of the process, but also the corresponding chemical that the person is being flooded with uh, the beginning at the awakening phase, which is all about serotonin. And then you go into the creative phase, which is all about dopamine. Go, go, go. And then you move on to uh, the third phase, which is all about uh, understanding how you can work with constraints. Uh, collaboration. Uh, and so depending on what you're doing, whether you're collaborating with someone, it's oxytocin, whether you say that you can do it yourself, then it's, uh, then it's more of, uh, is it testosterone? Yeah. And, uh, yeah. And then once you finish that, then towards the end, you realize that, okay, I've got these dreams, I've got these visions, but I can't do everything myself. And there are certain limitations or, you know, certain uh, vulnerabilities within me, but at the end of the day, I'm going to feel humble and I'm going to learn from this mistake or this failure or this challenge that I'm experiencing because tomorrow is a brand new day in which I can experience more awakening. So 
love this framework. Thanks a lot for sharing it. And I love the fact that today is more, it's a combination of an interview, mm. but it's also a workshop as well. And mm. I'm sure our listeners are able to really appreciate you sharing this um, with us. Now, uh, you, you do mention that as you, as a person goes through this cycle and these different stages, there are some associated blockages that one needs to keep in mind as well, right? As you're mm. going to, so could you talk to us a bit about sure. that? What is the resistance that so, sort of tend to come up? Yeah, good, um, good question. Yeah, so the, the map that I've just described to you right. is actually somewhat theoretical, okay? okay? It's not actual, it's theoretical. So okay. in just the same way, you, I'm sure you've heard about Chinese medicine, you know, mm-hmm. ac- acupuncture. Yeah. So they describe how the 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 chi the the energy is flowing through the the meridians, yeah. and this is what creates good health, you know. Yeah. But actually, the energy is not flowing freely through the meridians in any person. No. It's always this blockage in the meridian flow. Okay, mm-hmm. it's always going to be some blockage. You see. Yeah. So actually, when you go to the acupuncturist, they take your pulse, and they realize, oh, there is some. Um, deficiency of energy in certain organs and meridians and certain excess of energy but Mm -hmm. it's always like that always like that you must know from ayurveda there is the three doshas you know Mm -hmm. right uh um uh, pitta kapha vata vata yeah but no i mean you could sometimes there's few people where you could say tridosic they're balanced but right. it's never perfectly balanced. You see, no human being is perfectly in balance. So this cycle I showed you is, is somewhat theoretical on its own. In fact, what is true, is it possible for me to share my screen for a moment? Is that, is that, is that maybe it's too complicated, huh? Yeah, it's not yeah, not. I've never done that, but there's a, there's a feature, but <laughs> I don't know how to do it. Maybe next time in our next yeah. interview. <laughs> yeah, no problem. Okay. Well, um, anyway, so what actually happens is blockage. So mm-hmm. in fact, really, this becomes a map to diagnose okay. where brilliance is blocked. You see, in almost everybody, mm-hmm. there is blockage. There are actually four kinds of blockage which we've been able to identify. Okay. One is addiction. Okay. One is uh, judgment or resistance. One is what we call aspiration resistance. Mm-hmm. And the last one is looping. And I, I'm not going to go into these now because of time, but sure. if you go to the website radicalbrilliance.com, you can put your name and email, and it will send you all of all of this stuff explained completely for free. There's cool. the, a very colorful PDF that will explain how all this works, right? So once we can use this as a map for blockage, once we understand, okay, this is a map to explain blockage, then from there it becomes a diagnostic tool to find the best practice. Now, there are many, 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 there's almost like infinite practices available to us. A practice means anything which changes your state of consciousness, okay? So meditation is a practice, but equally having sex is a practice, that changes your consciousness. Or taking a supplement is a practice, um, or saying I'm sorry is a practice, or giving Mm -hmm. appreciation is a practice. Anything that changes your state is a practice, which means anything that any human has ever done deliberately to change your state, that is a kind of practice, right? That is a type of practice. Well, now we can use this as a diagnostic tool to prescribe the right practice because we can Mm -hmm. see, okay, so there's a blockage 
there's a blockage between 2 and 2.15 yeah. on the cycle. So let's give the correct practice to unblock that, and then you can return to being, uh, to being brilliant again. Love that. I love the fact that you have a very uh, personalized and customized approach to sort of diagnosing and finding out what uh, challenge or what uh, difficulties or what blockages that person is experiencing and then a corresponding practice. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, and, and firstly, thanks a lot for sharing this, this, uh, this, this uh, cycle with us. It really helps to understand uh, our own lives in a better way. Uh, you also talk in your book about role models. Right. And you share your own story where at one point in your life, uh, you trusted the wrong financial advisors and you ended mm -hmm. up losing a whole lot of money. Everything. And, uh, and you had to support your family. I mean, you were not uh, single at that point. And so you took certain steps. You ended up writing a book and finding a role model. So talk to us about that phase in your life. What was going on in your mind and how did you actually uh, go out finding a role model? Well, I've had many, many, many role models. I think the one you're talking about is Barbara Marks Hubbard, um, okay, yep. who, who, who actually was very kind to endorse my first book. She died recently. Mm -hmm. But, you know, a role model is really, it's a great idea if you aspire to making a contribution. Okay. If you aspire to really being a vehicle of evolution, then it's a great idea to look for somebody who has done that already more than you have. Somebody who is um, who's living that more than more than you are currently, and to actually enter into a relationship with that person. So, what I recommend is to invite your role model out for lunch, because mm -hmm. I've noticed people are busy, but yep. nobody is so busy that they refuse a few a free lunch. You know, yep. so uh, <laughs> so. If you invite your role model out for lunch, uh, most people will say yes to lunch if it's just half an hour. And then by and it explains in the book the the right questions to ask a role model so mm. that you can actually uh, get some some benefit. Yeah. 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 Cool. Uh, I just wanted to understand you uh, in terms of time. How are we doing from your end? Oh, I'm fine. Yeah, you're fine. Okay. So would you mind talking to us about that story then? I mean, um, you know, what exactly happened and how you got in touch with, uh, with Barbara? Okay. Because there's well, definitely that's a story a of story. resilience, yeah, well, right? <laughs> that was, I wrote my first book. Um, I wrote it between, um, I think it was like, I can't remember. I think I wrote it between about 1995 and 1997. Okay. And it became this book, Relaxing into Clear Seeing. Mm -hmm. uh, so I wrote the book, but of course, um, I was um, kind of completely unknown at that time. Nobody okay. knew nobody knew who I was. So for sure, I could publish a book, but who was going to know it, you know? Mm. Um, so what you need when you write a book is you need to have um, you need to have other people who've written books saying what a great book it is, you know? So you need right. you need these kind of things on the back like this, yep. you see. Yeah. Uh, and you need, uh, and then you, you put them in the front of the book as well. You see, you have to have all these quotes of people saying, oh, this is a fantastic book, you know, yeah. blah, blah, blah. So um, I had this feeling that the, um, the, the best person would be Barbara Marks Hubbard because she would, somebody who's really understand what this book is about. Yeah. So I tried to contact her. But what I, what I talk about in Radical Brilliance is um, 
anybody who is a little bit well-known, they have an assistant or they have a, sometimes a team of assistants. And these are like guards. They're yeah. like guards at the door, you know, with big <laughs> weapons, you know. Yeah. So you go to this person to say, could you please read my book? And the guard, the guard is trained to say just one word. No, mm-hmm. no, no, you cannot cross. You see, the guard yeah. is there to keep people out. So, mm-hmm. of course, I went to the guard and the guard said no. But that's where you have to discover a little bit of perseverance, right? If you, if you have something to offer and you know that once you can connect with, the, with your role model, that yeah. there will be a resonance. So finally, I found somebody else who knew Barbara. And then I, we made a little thing. I went around the guard. Mm. And then she actually got the book. And she, so she ah. sent me a message. And she said, she said leave your – was, this was before the time of uh, – you know, the, the computers were so advanced. This was 95, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think it was, there was just maybe the first laptop. I can't remember. Sure. But anyway, um, there was, it wasn't possible at that time to send something electronically. So I actually took the printed manuscript. It was printed, you know, at Kinko's. Mm-hmm. And I put, she said, put it in my mailbox. So I put it in the mailbox in the afternoon. The next morning, like eight o'clock, she phones me and she says, Arjuna. She said, I, I have not slept the whole night. I read your she book it. all oh. the way through. I read it completely. She said, we mm. must talk. So I went to her house and we talked, we did a lot of things. And then she wrote this for me. She wrote, well, she wrote this. Um, Relaxing into clear seeing is a long awaited text. It's a work of brilliance, love, clarity, and humility, giving us the tools we so deeply need for self-realization in the 21st century. I believe it will come, become a classic for all times. Well, I don't think it did become a classic for all times, but because of this, then I got Jack Cornfield, Ken Wilber, Stephen Andrea Levine, Peter Russell. I got everybody, Byron Katie, everybody said, this is a great book. You know, I got, mm. and I got, you know, Jacqueline Small, Byron Katie, Kat, you know, all these people, they all said it was a great book because of this one role model thing, you see? Wow. Um, and then I became friends with all these people. So the, the, the motto of the story is, you know, the, the, what is that, the motto, but the, the morale, the morale of the story is, if you feel you've got something positive to contribute to the world, not because of me, the great me, but if mm-hmm. you feel that, you have cr- that something has come through you mm-hmm. and it needs to reach the world, it's really a good idea to courageously and with some intention to connect with the role models who can help you. Wonderful. I love that. Love that recommendation and that advice. Now, uh, when you interviewed your guests and you've interviewed f- about 450 of them, at least at that point. 470 now. Yeah. 470. Okay. Yeah. Uh, that's a lot of interviews, firstly. Mm. And I, myself as a host, I'm, I'm always trying to find out how can I ask better questions? How can I be a better host? How can I, you know, make the feel, make the guest feel more comfortable for the benefit mm. of our listeners? So if you, if you may, what were three really powerful questions that you would ask your guest, uh, you know, that would elicit the best response. Any advice around? Well, <laughs> I've got to say, first of all, Aditya, I think you're doing great, man. I mean, you know, why, uh, you know, there's this story about yeah. the caterpillar and the snail. Do you know the story? Yeah. The cat- no, I, might, I might know some other stories, so please tell me. <laughs> so it's a centipede. A ce- you know, how many, how many legs does a centipede have? You know this? Uh, is it uh, 1,000? A hundred oh, centipede. A centipede has hundred legs. So the yeah. centipede is walking along with a hundred legs, right? Okay. Yeah. And he walks past the snail, of course, who has no legs. Mm-hmm. And the snail says, wow. The snail says, wow, that's incredible. 
how do you do that? How do you coordinate a hundred legs? Yeah. At which point the centipede falls over and cannot walk anymore. And mm -hmm. the centipede says, until you asked me that question, it was happening very na naturally. When you yeah. asked me to think about it, I can't do it anymore. You see? Yeah. Yeah. So I would say you're doing just great, my brother. You know, you're asking, mm -hmm. you're, you're, I think you're doing a fantastic job of being the perfect interviewer. So why do, why do we want to sabotage it by, uh, by, um, trying to change, you know, it seems like you're doing great. And I think, you know, the, <laughs> the, key, the key is to be curious, you know, just like you curious. are okay. to be curious and to be, um, you know, to have a kind of beginner's mind, even if you know things and mm -hmm. to be curious and to ask questions. And I think, uh, if we want to know the right way to do it, all that's necessary is for people to watch you and they'll see the right way to do it. Wow, you just made my day. But again, like we're learning today, I'm going to keep a humble mindset, curiosity and a beginner's mindset. I love that. Thanks a lot for sharing. Arjun, uh, based on all the things that you've shared and to, you know the stories that you've shared with us and the action steps uh, that you've uh, sort of alluded to, what is that one action step that you would like to share with our listeners today? What, what do you mean by action step? Uh, by action step, I mean like, uh, let's say, you know, someone has listened to your episode and what you've shared. What is that one thing that you could, that they can do today, uh, right after listening to this episode, that will move them more uh, closer towards greatness? Yeah, I would say the most important thing you can do is nothing. Okay. The deliberate, conscious, dedicated practice of nothing. Um, and actually, if you go to radicalbrilliance.com and uh, register for this, um, course, which is free, yep. uh, you'll get some gifts. You'll, you'll get, you'll get deeper understanding about the cycle. You'll get some passages from the book and so on. But there's also, there is, um, one day it guides you in how to do nothing, right? Uh, doing nothing means to be able to sit still, mm. Uh, and actually do nothing for a while. And when you do nothing, of course, there is, you, you can't just stop your mind because it has a momentum to it, you see. Mm -hmm. But if you just sit and do nothing, the mind continues. Now, you don't want to slow, try and slow it down because if you try to slow down the mind, the very effort of trying to slow it down becomes the mind that you're trying to slow, you see. So mm -hmm. that's not going to work. So instead, there's just sitting and observing, just sitting and noticing, wow, the mind is spinning like crazy and all these emotions are jumping around, but there's nothing to be emotional about right now. Yeah. And you realize actually that you're, you are living in a kind of insanity, right? Mm -hmm. Which means thoughts and feelings completely out of control. You're living in this kind of out of control state, right? So, so then there is just the observing of that. There is simply the observing. Wow, it's crazy. In the observing of it, slowly, slowly, you relax into being that which is observing. Now there's an objectivity. You see all the thoughts going crazy. You see all the reactive emotions, but you realize those are happening on their own, but you're observing them. So who is observing? And in the relaxing into being that which is observing, then you start to experience what is really sanity, what is really clarity, then you know what to do, you know what is love. And if so if there's any one thing to integrate into your life, it is the deliberate practice of no thing, not a thing, no doing. 
for a little while. Thanks a lot for sharing Action Tribe. If you're enjoying this session so far, especially if you're on your iPhone or your Apple device, then make sure that you hit subscribe so that you stay notified and you do not miss out on all the new episodes that we have in store for you. Once again, hit the subscribe button. Action Tribe, as many of you know, recently I conducted an experiment of waking up at 5 a.m. for 30 days straight and I discovered that the way you begin your day determines the creativity, the flow and the energy that you experience during the day. It's good to switch things up a bit. So if you're looking for an alternative to your morning coffee, I highly recommend the Lion's Mane Mushroom Coffee Mix by Four Sigmatic because it feels really energizing, especially after some journaling or meditation in the morning. The lion's mane mushroom that it contains has been used by Buddhist monks for thousands of years for increased focus during meditation. It also contains dual extracted chaga mushrooms which support your immune functions and the wild rhodiola root that it contains calms you down and helps reduce stress. So it's really healthy for you and it also contains 100% Arabica coffee beans, so it tastes just like good quality coffee. So if you're planning to design your morning routine, I'd invite you to place your first order of Four Sigmatic coffee and just try it out because guess what? They've extended a really special offer for Action Tribe. Receive 15% of your Four Sigmatic purchase. Go to Four Sigmatic dot com forward slash action tribe or use discount code action tribe at checkout that's f-o-u-r-s-i-g-m-a-t-i-c dot com forward slash a-c-t-i-o-n-t-r-i-b-e or use discount code action tribe at checkout once again that's four sigmatic dot com forward slash action tribe or use discount code action tribe at checkout The boundaries of your life are merely creations of the self. This is an amazing quote by Robin Sharma. Action Tribe, uh, think about this deeply because it's super accurate. Think about your life right now. What according to you is uh, extremely hard, if not impossible. Well, you know, Maybe you'd like to wake up a bit earlier, but you feel that you can't do it. Maybe you'd like to lose a lot of weight, but... It just seems impossible or you'd like to learn a new skill or a new language. And for you, that is impossible right now. All the limitations in your life uh, have at some point uh, been created by your own self. And because they are just beliefs created by you, you can shatter them. Because if someone has done it in the past, then you can too. Because just like Robin Sharma reminded us, the boundaries are just creations of the self. So Arjun, uh, talk to us about a time in your life when you experienced a difficult moment or a challenge, a major life challenge. How did you go about um, and, you know, uh, overcoming it? And uh, what did you do? <laughs> mm. Well, when you ask me that, what comes to my mind is uh, I was 44 years old. Okay. Uh, it's getting a little bit advanced in age, you know, and I was uh, sitting on the deck of my house, sitting outside on the deck of the house mm -hmm. under the starry sky, you know, underneath the starry sky. And um, 
I was alone that night. I had two children, but they were with their mother because we were separated. We were not no longer together. So I was alone, but not just physically alone. I was sitting alone on the deck, but I also felt really completely alone, really, really alone, like deeply, 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 deeply alone, you know? This feeling of really being alone, that I had no wife, my children with the wife. And, and in that moment, I realized, you know, I, may, I will die one day. And so much of my energy has been oriented towards spirituality and then teaching, awakening and everything, which is all very good, nice. But if I die one day and there's some kind of reckoning, you know, the moment of death, and I, if I did not reach the pinnacles of enlightenment, that would be okay. I would be so easy to forgive, you know. So the, not, not every chakra was completely twirling in the best way. That would be okay. But if I die one day and there is the recognition that I did not completely love, fully love without restraint, that would feel like a wasted life, okay? Mm -hmm. And that was a shocking realization because I realized actually that love was a more important value to me than spirituality, but my life was more oriented towards spirituality. Right. So that was the challenge. I realized, wow, I'm 44, and the challenge is that I am alone partly through my own lack of skill in knowing how to be a truly loving person, right? So three weeks later, you're asking, how did I resolve it? Three weeks later, I was in Sweden teaching a course, and I, I met a young woman, and I said hello, and she said hello, and uh, she told me a story. She said, I've just come from India. I was sitting in India in um, Rishikesh by the banks of the Ganges, and I had this thought, oh, my God, I'm sitting in India meditating, but I don't really know how to love. Mm. I don't know how to bring this into my relationships. And I thought, wow, that's an interesting coincidence, you know. And then uh, so we didn't become intimate right away because it was not appropriate in that time. I was teaching. But we became friends exchanging email um, like, um, how is it going for you in the exploration of love? Well, not so good. How is it going for you? Yeah, not so good. And then after a few months, we, we were talking about how really – there is the necessity to practice, you know, to bring a practice to love, to really learn how to love. So we agreed, just like if you want to learn tennis, if you want to learn tennis, you can't learn tennis alone. You have to have somebody to practice with. Mm -hmm. So with this one young woman who was younger than me, uh, we agreed that we would enter into a practice together, a practice of learning how to love. Mm -hmm. And that was in uh, 2002. Okay. Now it is 2019. We've been practicing now for 17 years. This is my wife, Shamali. Oh. And we uh, together, we have learned how to make love into something that you practice, something that you actually, it's not just a fleeting romantic feeling. It's something yeah. that you actually, day by day, you become more and more the embodiment of love. Wonderful. I love your story. Thanks a lot for sharing. And that's a really uh, profound epiphany. And just, in fact, a couple of weeks ago, I had uh, created an episode where I spoke about that it's not, it's not enough to be spiritually awakened. You need to go beyond that. And to go beyond that, you need to connect with your heart. 
and be mm-hmm. a person of the heart and mm-hmm. so you so wonderfully you know embody that and you've shared mm-hmm. it and i'm sure our listeners will also be able to relate that spirituality is not enough service and the act of giving and the act of loving genuinely or uh, is is uh, really worth um worth everything so thanks a lot for sharing mm-hmm. uh action tribe i hope you're enjoying today's session so far as we explore the cycle of transformation and uh, some of the blockages that might hold us back from really truly living and enjoying life it's time to take steps to understand ourselves our deeply rooted beliefs our ideologies our subconscious biases our habits and emotions that we've gotten into experiencing again and again as a habit but perhaps perhaps most importantly it's time to uh, assess our interactions with people around us and sometimes uh, people bring us joy sometimes they bring us happiness and sometimes they just make us feel frustrated sad or angry but during those moments we really need to be mindful and find out what about this situation or this interaction has triggered us because these triggers often stem from a wound or trauma or a hurt from the past which comes out during such interactions because just as carl jung put everything that irritates us about others can lead to an understanding of ourselves so be mindful of your interactions because these are opportunities to learn more about your own self and with that we've come to the last round for today arjuna which is called the wisdom round so what is that best piece of advice that you have ever received the best piece of advice i have ever received yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> i would say the best piece of advice i have ever received is relax and know that you are not the dancer you are being danced right relax and know that you are not the doer you are not the doer you are being danced by a music that is universal so actually our work is to relax into that more than to actually think that we have some separate individual sovereignty in making things happen got it and if you could turn back time and spend 1 hour with somebody who is uh, currently dead or living who would it be if i could turn back time and spend time with someone who is dead or living wow that's a difficult question um i should have prepared for this question um <clears throat> well i think i'm going to go for uh let's go for um hmm let's go for jesus okay i think uh, i actually i think i want to have a dinner party on a dinner and it's yeah. going to be Jesus Krishna yeah uh we'll put Lin Twist there <laughs> let's put uh um yeah it's going to be a great party <laughs> <laughs> cool and uh so what do you do uh what is it one thing you do in the morning or maybe in the evening before sleeping that has improved the quality of your life what i've already said nothing spending time in nothing 
spending time dedicated to no, nothing and no doing that's the most powerful transform that's the most powerful transformative thing you can do but we have to be careful that you don't start doing meditating because that becomes a doing simply if you notice that you're gonna like if you start twirling chakras or breathing in a special way now you're doing again but literally do nothing and wait for grace to come over you and what is that one book that you'd like to recommend for our listeners today that that's not by me <laughs> we'll recommend both books because we're <laughs> yeah of course i'm a bit narcissistic that way i like to recommend my own books you know one book that i really enjoyed a lot that just really has changed my life very from an early stage was demian damian by herman hess damian it's okay. a very beautiful subtle book about the um the inspiration of the beyond yeah Got it. Thanks a lot for sharing. We'll have this up in the show notes. Action Tribe, would you like to receive one book for free? Because Audible is offering Action Tribe one free Audible book download with a free 30-day trial just to get you to try out this new format of consuming books, which is not by reading them, not physically, but listening to the book. And most often, these books are read out by the authors themselves. So if you'd like to claim one credit for an audible, go to my7chakras.com forward slash free book, my7chakras.com forward slash free book. Arjuna, thank you so much for coming mm -hmm. on our show today. Before you go, mm -hmm. tell us one thing that you are grateful for, and then how can we find you? And how can listeners um, get a hold of your book? Right. Well, one thing I'm grateful for is is you, Aditya, for spending this time with me. Thank you. And I find, uh, generally speaking, the best place to focus gratitude is into the present moment, you know. Mm -hmm. So I'm grateful to be this very moment now at 10.36 and 50 seconds, to be looking into your young, vibrant, shiny face and seeing a force of optimism and contribution for a better planet for the future. I'm grateful for you. Thanks. And uh, you asked how to reach me. Yes. So uh, best thing right now is to go to radicalbrilliance.com. So easy to remember. Radicalbrilliance.com. If you scroll just be be below this kind of starburst image, you'll see there's a little welcome video from me and a place where you can put your email and name. And then I will send you everything you need to really get completely up to speed with, um, with uh, the brilliant cycle. And the book you asked is on Amazon as a, as a paperback, as a Kindle, as an Audible. Got it. We'll have the links in the show notes. Action Tribe, uh, you know, this book is really, really amazing. I highly recommend you get it yourself because it's a huge book and there are a lot of lessons, specific things that you can do, empowering questions. And uh, of course, uh, Arjuna goes in deep detail about his own story of transformation and how you can find that uh, glimmer of radical brilliance in you and how you can transform that glimmer into a flashing brilliant flame oh, uh, poetry <laughs> <laughs> so again uh, make sure you check out radical brilliance on amazon and we'll have the link action tribe uh, uh, you, you know if you find 
you know such information interesting and if you want to find your true self and if you want to transform your life one step step at a time then you're definitely going to love the action tribe inner circle membership where you'll have access to members uh, mentors who will provide you training on a variety of exciting topics including discovering your true purpose activating your intuition dissolving your financial blocks and much more now if you're curious this is a new project we've not launched yet but if you're curious visit my7chakras.com forward slash waitlist my7chakras.com forward slash waitlist and finally if you liked this episode if you liked this conversation then make sure you take a screenshot of this episode and share it with me uh, my instagram handle is at my7chakras at my7chakras and i will gladly share it with all of our other community members arjun thank you so much for coming on our show talking to us about how we can activate our radical brilliance and taking us one step closer to a human revolution thank you thank you for listening to my seven chakras at my7chakras.com that is my s e v e n chakras.com When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.